Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. And we're live. And we're live. Hello. Merry Christmas. Oh, it is the Christmas time. It is the season. Now that it is in November... Strap on your yep, fucking on. elf shoes and <laughs> pour yourself a hot cocoa and put up your tree, bitches. Do it's, you have elf shoes? No. No? I don't we know. We should get some. I was, you, do you have elf shoes? No. No? What? We need some we don't, now. What are you talking about? We're, we're now going to put our tree up again oh, after taking it down, what, two months ago? Let's not talk about it. <laughs> Let's not talk about how we left our tree up for almost an entire year. <laughs> It was me, but, you know. Well, it was both of us. I could have taken it down. You were like, why is this still up? And I'm like, I like it. I guess you did, give, you did give me some pushback. I, I yeah, was, I was like, like, we should take it down. And you're like, but it's fun. I and like, I was why? like, why? We're going to take it out again in two months. I was like, it's literally <laughs> July. <laughs> it's fun. It's yeah. fun for me. But anyway, we'll, we'll pull it back out soon enough, I guess. Yeah. Probably anyway. tomorrow. <laughs> who knows? Shit, who knows? I don't know. Why not? Why not? Oh, man. Yeah, the only annoying part is the ornaments. That's my favorite part. But, you know, you just wrap the tree up. I mean, it's what makes it look good, but yeah. it's just the most annoying to take down. Yeah. I think the one thing that I'm going to, or I don't know how many things, I'm sure I'm scarily like my mother, but I was going to say the one thing that I really enjoy that I'm going to keep doing is collecting ornaments, I believe. Because oh, yeah? that's like what my family does. Our Christmas tree is like freaking gigantic and has like a million ornaments. It's like at capacity. It 100% is at capacity. We ha- we always have leftover ornaments and it's like a 12 foot tree. Like it's a big ass wow. tree. Interesting. I've never had leftover ornaments. Well, you gonna learn today, boy. <laughs> anyway. Oh my gosh. Hi guys. Welcome to our show i don't know why i said that welcome to our show i guess i'm a little anxious but anyway i i truly cannot believe when i heard about what happened at Astro World. i think it was in dallas texas or houston some city in texas but it was a travis scott concert and just at this point they've now counted 11 deaths and it was just it, uh, i i don't know I don't know how to wrap my head around that it's just so scary and like the the thought that there was like you know children in the crowd for those who don't know, like, it was a huge concert, and basically there was understaffed security, people completely broke down a gate to get in, they were packed in like sardines, people were hitting the floor, undertrained medic people, and just too many people, I mean, one is too many people to lo- lose your life at, at, a, at, a at a concert, but it's just a huge tragedy, and I just, my heart goes out to anyone who was there and had to experience that, or the families who lost someone, it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah. I just don't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, it's just like everything went wrong, kind of, right? Yeah. Underchain medics, mm-hmm. you know, they broke in. Uh, Travis Scott didn't stop performing. He wouldn't stop for like an hour. Yeah. And he knew. How could you not know? He has a bird's eye view. It's just, it's so disappointing. But I mean, he's like kind of known for things like that to like egg people on to like have a riot. He There was one time uh, someone came up on stage and like stole his shoe at a concert and he had people beat him up. He told the crowd to beat up this like kid. And then there was another concert where he had someone jump off something and he broke both of his legs. And I'm like, what is happening? Like he should be held accountable for something that happened at this concert. But as far as I know, he's not. So yeah, I don't know. 
it just is terrible. Yeah, I know. That's weird legally. Like, I just don't understand what law he has broken, even if it is he contributed to it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I guess. It's just a shitty situation all around. I don't yeah. really know. But anyway, that was a really fast 180 hey, going happy from... happy Tuesday. Goddamn. <laughs> happy Tuesday. Lord. Um, anyway, let's get into a another fun oh, oh, story. Here we go. Different word. Fun. There we go. Do you like that one? Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Charla Nash because that's our survivor of the day. I love that name. You Charla. Like that? Charla. That's boss. She is. Yes. And we're also going to be talking about Travis the Chimp. Really? Yes. The story is. Of course, his name Travis. Involving a chimpanzee. Uh, it gets brutal. Just so we know from the top, it also involves animal death. So if that's not something you want to hear today, then that's okay. But that's what's in here. So just a little at the top warning. Sure. But let's jump in. So I got my information from Wikipedia, an interview from the Oprah Winfrey show, an interview that Charla gave with Meredith Vieira, an article from the Stanford Advocate. I, it didn't say who it was written by, but that's where it was from. An article from the San Diego Union Tribune by John Christopherson, and also a YouTube video posted by Hannah the Horrible. So those are my sources, many, many of them, and let's get into it. So Travis the Chimp was born in Festus, Missouri on October 21st, October 21st, <laughs> 1995, at Mike and Connie Braun Casey's compound, which is currently named the Missouri Chimpanzee Sanctuary. When he was only three weeks old, he was taken from his mother and purchased from the breeder for $50,000 by Sandra and Jerome Harold. Damn. 50 G's. Yeah, that's no joke. No. They named him Travis after Sandra's favorite singer, Travis Tritt. I thought you were about to say Travis. Travis Scott. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> no, Travis Tritt. Anyway, the Heralds raised Travis at their home in North Stamford, Connecticut. And Travis very quickly became a part of their family. He was the Herald's constant companion and would often accompany them to work on their shopping excursions in town. And the Herald's own a to uh, owned a towing company called Desire Me Motors. And Travis would pose for photos at the shop and ride in the tow truck, his seatbelt buckled as he wore a baseball shirt. No way. Oh, yeah. He Could was... He, did he learn how to, like, buckle the... Oh, buckle for himself? Yes. Oh, that's sweet. Yes. Travis learned how to do a lot of things. And he also was known to um, drive sometimes. So we're going to get into Travis. He's, he's, uh, a, yeah, what? he's a crazy guy. The chimp is driving. The chimp does a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. The chimp be doing it. Yeah. But at this point, he's just a baby and he's pretty much just like cute and um, but he's like a staple in town everyone knows about him you know people come in to like see travis and like take a picture with him like he's a baby chimp like what is cuter really? what is babe what's cuter than a baby chimp nothing a baby baby uh, well arguable that isn't arguable <laughs> <laughs> well so does he like climb on their backs to go shopping or they have him like hold the, their hand like I just both. both yeah okay yeah i mean he he obviously grows and becomes a, a big big chimp but he at the time was a baby and i'll get into my opinions about that later but uh yeah i was like hmm, what if something goes wrong yeah what if we didn't do that um anyway the entire town knew travis and had encountered him at some point 
And mealtimes were special in the Herald House because Travis would not only join them at the table, but he would also drink wine out of a stemmed wine glass. Are you joking? No, I am not. As a baby? Not as a baby. When he grew up. Oh, they waited till he was two. <laughs> they waited until he matured a little bit, Alex. Come on. What, what the hell? Do they live? Uh, do chimps live the same amount as us? No. Where's but that? they live a long time, I think. How? How? Yeah, but what are the chimp years? Is it like two years? How old will he be in chimp years? I don't yeah, know. You know what I mean? <laughs> are they developing an alcoholic like right now? <laughs> you know what That's I mean? That's kind of funny. Uh, he like sits on the couch with his like little whiskey and yeah, his no, cigar. Like... <laughs> it's like Travis has a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Travis is an AA. He's working it out. Um, no, uh, it says chimpanzees live 39 years in captivity just about so a long time or it says they rarely live longer than 50 years so i guess up to 50 sounds like about half yeah exactly it's a lifelong commitment to get a chimp they're no joke so he also had a weak spot for ice cream and he learned the ice cream truck schedule and would wait for the truck to pass the house and he would like go out he's a child he's like a baby yeah i feel that yeah no i get that I get that, Travis. But he could open doors using keys. He dressed himself. He would water plants. And he would also feed hay to his owner's horses. He logged onto the computer to look at pictures. He watched television using the remote. He brushed his teeth using a water pick. He also enjoyed watching baseball on television. And like I said earlier, Travis had also driven the car on several occasions. (laughs) Okay, so question about that. Yeah. Like, is he the only one, or is it like he's in, like, somebody's lap? So, I don't know how it started. Maybe it started like that, like he was in someone's lap, and it was, like, kind of a joke. But there were a few occasions where he stole the keys and, like, stole the car. That's fun. No, it's not. It's <laughs> horrifying, and yeah, it what the completely hell? dangerous. Like, Well, did he, did they have, like, a gate, or no? I don't think so. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's not great. No, it's really bad, actually. Having grown up among people, Travis had been socialized to humans since birth, and as a youngster, he could be contained. But like people, as chimpanzees grow up, they have a mind of their own, and like human teenagers, we can't always predict what they're thinking or what they're going to do. But there were a few instances that would have shown people that they were still dealing with a wild animal and definitely should have been red flags. So in 2003, when Travis was eight years old, he had his first bad behavior episode. And while Sandra was taking him for a drive around town, a pedestrian threw a drink toward the car and Travis's window was open and some of the drink got into the car and actually got onto Travis, which startled him. And why did they throw a drink at them? I don't think that they threw it at them. I think it was probably someone who was just being a jerk and like littered and like some of the drink splashed and got onto Travis or maybe they just dropped their drink. I don't know. Mm. But anyway, some of this drink got onto Travis through the window, which really scared him and also agitated him like a lot. And he unbuckled his seatbelt, let himself out of the car and went after this man. Um, He chased the man down the street who thankfully got away but Travis rolled around in the road and jumped on cars and led the police on a chase through town for the next two hours as they tried to contain him. Oh my God. What yeah. do you do? Do they have like tranquilizer darts or do you call animal control? I don't know. 
<laughs> from what it sounded like, it was just the police that were trying to like contain him and get him back in the car. I think there was a real false sense of security with Travis because everyone knew him around town and they were like, oh, he's, I've known him since he was a baby. I, I used to hold him mm. when he was a baby. So like, he's not going to hurt me. It's fine. I'll just get him back in the car. And a lot of people felt like that. Like the neighbors, when he did inevitably maul Charla, like, the neighbors were completely floored that he would ever do something to hurt someone. And I just find that so shocking because it's like, he's still a wild animal, you know? Like, even if he was brought up in a family of humans, he's still a chimp. Like, I don't yeah. understand that. And clearly, years before, he's acting out and being agitated and, like, chasing a man down the street and, like, jumping on cars and being a complete wild animal like yeah, I, I don't get it that. right also chimps are brutal they're the extremely brutal yeah yeah and we're gonna I talk mean, about that in, later too in him yes 100 percent. yeah so they they couldn't contain him for over two hours and he was also in like a major intersection in the town and the entire town like they couldn't drive through this intersection essentially like they couldn't do anything. So this was a huge disruption. Could you imagine telling your boss why you're late? No, literally. <laughs> you're I'm like, so There's a monkey blocking there. Like, yeah, right, Josh. Yeah, and I bet a again, I bet a dog you're, ate your you're homework, two Josh. Hours late. Yeah. He's like, I swear. This is the third time this week. No, dude, I swear. <laughs> a chimp was literally in the street. But yeah, and also anytime they would put him back in the car, he would climb over the seat and get out of one of the other doors in the car. And he would then start chasing the police officers around, which I think at a time people were like, haha, that's funny, but it's not funny. Like that's scary. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't shoot him. I know. That's really scary. I don't or know. Like tase him? Something. Yeah, but the police officers agreed that he was just being playful. Doesn't sound like it. No, right. So I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking okay. about? Yeah, that should have been a warning sign, 100%, especially when a prima primatologist, primatologist, a primatologist, you know what I'm saying, told the animal... <laughs> <laughs> primatologist. You know what I'm saying? Told the animal control department that Travis was now fully sexualized adult with the strength of five men, which mm. meant he was dangerous, like point blank. Yeah. So because of this in incident with Travis, Connecticut did pass a law stating that you needed to have a permit to own a monkey over 50 pounds, which he was. But this didn't really go into effect until 2009. And they also didn't enforce it on the Harold family because although he had been a little mischievous, quote unquote, he had never been violent up until that point, And he, they also got him before permits were needed. Oh, did they get, like, grandfathered in? Kind of, yeah. And, like, what did the permit process even consist of? It's like exactly. he still is owned by them. Right. It's not like they're going to change their behavior because of a permit, right? No, exactly. So I don't know what that would have done. I know. I guess it was just, like, a, a Band-Aid over a, uh, we tried a terrible to do thing. Exactly. In 2000, the Herald's only child tragically died in a car accident. And also in 2004, Sandra's husband, Jerome, had passed away from cancer. So now Sandra had lost her entire family pretty much all at once, which made her just so much closer with Travis. And she regarded him almost as a surrogate son and completely pampered him even more than he already was. And Sandra even slept in the same bed as Travis every night, and they also bathed together. Okay, that's a little weird. That's a little weird, but uh, that's what—that's how close they were, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know. That's normal. I don't know. <laughs> What's a normal way to own a chimp? I, I guess we... How could we know? I don't know. I don't know. This seems very strange to it's me. It's very weird. The bathing yeah. thing. Yeah. And Although, but also, like, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. Travis taking a shower <laughs> by himself. <laughs> you know? He's yeah. like, oh, conditioner. Yeah, because... It's like on his whole body. <laughs> He's, like, using Neutrogena or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's sitting in a bath with a bath bomb and his stemmed wine glass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like mad you didn't get coconut oil. <laughs> oh, no. oh my God. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess you have to bathe him, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, full grown, he was like 250 pounds. Yeah. He was big, like yeah. a big, big guy. Yeah. And, you know, Travis was pretty much all she had left. So even though he had acted out and he was playful, she didn't believe that he would ever do anything to hurt anyone. Right. That's where sure. Sandra was at. I'm sure that assumption aged well. It didn't, Alex. Thank you so much for that <laughs> that assumption. So now we're, let's get into Charla Nash. Charla, there isn't much about Charla. She's, I think, just a pretty private person. And also, there's just not a lot about her like personal life online. But she was a lifelong animal lover. And in her younger years, she was a rodeo cowgirl. And the cowboys she worked with affectionately nicknamed her Charlie. She left home when she was only 17 and met Sandra at a horse auction just a few years later. And Sandra and Charla had been friends for more than 30 years after riding horses in Loretta Lynn's traveling rodeo in the 70s, which is pretty cool in my opinion. But yeah, so they, they've known each other for a very long time. And in 2004, Charla, who was now a single mother, moved her teenage daughter Brianna to Stamford, Connecticut. And there, Charla started working for Sandra's tow truck company. And she also sometimes helped care for Travis since she had known Travis for 10 years at that point. But she said she always feared him. Like there was never a time she was like, this is cool. Like she was always like, hey guys, um, I don't like this. <laughs> like, yeah, he could fuck up five people at once. Yeah. And she met him as a baby and she was like, hey, he's destructive and dangerous and hurting me as a baby like this is not good but he was hurting her as a baby yeah so she only met him twice outside of his cage ever in her life so every every interaction she ever had even though she was like feeding him he was pretty much in his cage so the first time charla met travis was with her daughter when she went to go see sandra at her shop and travis was there but he was very very small and being fed out of a bottle so he was just a baby and that was the first time Charla actually found out about Travis. And the second time, he was still very little, but when she came over to Sandra's home, he was running around the yard, like the backyard, and swinging off of trees, and he jumped onto Charla's back and actually ripped a chunk of her hair off of her head. So, like, a good chunk right out of her head. And this obviously really hurt Charla, and she had tears in her eyes when that happened, and she told Sandra about it, and that that it hurt. I mean, Sandra was there and saw it happen, but but Sandra was laughing, and she just thought it was funny. So she clearly did not see it as, like, a, a threatening situation, which, like, I'm sure Travis wasn't doing it in a way that was malicious. malicious, but he's a wild animal. So, like, when he jumps on your head and rips your hair out of your head, like, that's, he's, he's not, like, a yeah, domesticated okay. pet. Like, he's a He's a wild animal. Yeah, I mean, if anybody else's pet hurts you, like if your dog did that, I don't know, like they would be able to rip your hair out, but you know what I mean? It'd be a completely different reaction. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I think it's just because he's so close to like being a human, you know? Yeah. 
But it's, yeah, it's just, she was always scared of Travis. So that's telling. Anyway, Charla had helped feed Travis throughout the years. Other times, however, he would always be in his cage when that happened, like I said. And the morning of February 16th, 2009, Sandra gave Travis his daily cup of tea, which was laced with his Lyme disease medication, as well as a strong dose of Xanax, which was meant to keep him slightly more calm throughout the day, but it had the opposite effect. Is it a stimulant? It's for like anxiety and well, stuff yeah, like I that. Yeah, it was for anxiety, but I don't know if it was like ADHD or like, you know, for, for whatever weird reason, people with ADHD, when they have a stimulant, focus more. Yeah. I don't know if you had like hyper anxiety, if a stimulant like calmed you down. Actually, that makes little to no sense now that I'm talking about it. <laughs> now that you say it out loud. If you're anxious and you drink a cup of coffee, we all know how well that yeah, goes. Yeah, it makes it worse. Yeah, well, she was giving it to him to, you know, keep him as just calm as possible, daily. I think. But it was just not a good combination of things. Yeah, um, wouldn't he also kind of become like tolerant to it at some point? Maybe. But um, I don't know. I don't know if she gave it to him every day or if it was just like when he seemed a little bit more agitated or what. But that, that day... sounds like a very scientific process. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not. But um, a little later on, Travis got a hold of Sandra's car keys, like we talked about, and he left the house with them. So it's speculated that he was just trying to be a bit mischievous and get some attention, but, you know, it's still a huge problem for him to take the keys and get in a car as a chimpanzee. So Sandra yeah. starts freaking out because no matter what she does, he won't come back inside. So she decided to call her friend and employee, Charla to try to help lure Travis back into the house. And Sandra thought this wouldn't be an issue because Travis knew Charla for his entire life. And although they didn't spend a lot of time together while he was outside of his cage, Charla was still a familiar face. So it seemed like the logical thing to do, I suppose. Right. Yeah, I guess if you call the cops, it's not going to end well. I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, if he's already agitated, I can't see him calming down if I don't like think... five random people show up. Sure. I don't think he was necessarily agitated at that point, but he was just like not listening, you know? Yeah. But anyway, when Charla got there, she went inside and decided to grab one of Travis's favorite toys in an attempt to like lure him back inside, which was a Tickle Me Elmo toy, which, oh yeah, which she thought would be a good idea since Elmo in general was Travis's favorite. But when he saw Charla with this toy, it completely enraged him. Obviously, we don't know exactly what was going through his mind to set him off, but it's possible he thought she was going to take his favorite toy or he was just jealous that she had it. And not only that, but Charla had recently changed up her hairstyle and Travis hadn't seen that yet. So he also may have been set off by her new appearance. Maybe he didn't recognize her. So now this stranger is stealing his toy or he just didn't like the hairstyle. It's very unclear. He's a chimpanzee, but... Not exactly like we can ask him. Right, exactly. So either way, he he becomes completely enraged and is coming for Charla. And also he's drugged and 250 pounds. So not good. Yeah. This attack is brutal. So just so we know. But anyway, Travis approached Charla aggressively before getting on his hind legs and launching at her completely. All 250 pounds of him, five times stronger than a man, at Charla, who's 55, by the way. He threw her against the side of a car before completely ripping into her face and hands. Like I said, Charla was 55 and Sandra was 70. So not like they could do much anyway, you know? Yeah. 
In a frenzy, Sandra started hitting him over the head with a shovel to make him stop, but that wasn't working, so she immediately called 911. At this point, Sandra believed Charla was dead, but, you know, she still called 911, and for an excruciating 12 minutes, she was on the phone begging the police to rush to her home with their guns drawn to shoot Travis, the animal she had raised as her own son for the previous 14 years. So that should put into perspective how bad it was. And this 911 call is chilling, and it's pretty much everywhere. Like, if you Google this case or you look it up on YouTube, you'll pretty much find the 911 call anywhere because it's Sandra just completely panicking, and she's begging for help, and she's, you know, she's like, my friend is dead, my friend is dead, he's eating her, like, it's a whole thing. And not only that, you hear her panicked voice, but you hear Travis, like, screeching in the background the entire time. So he was completely ripping her apart for 12 minutes and wow. he's f- eating her yes and at first the police or the 911 operator thought it might be a joke because you don't hear a monkey in a 911 call every single day you know they're like what who who is like who's killing her and she's like my chimpanzee and they're like what what are you talking about yeah i, I would also be so confused but like i always say if you're a 911 operator you should take everything seriously no exactly and once she said he's eating her is when they were like okay oh shit this is real and that's when they were like shit okay um so then they sent the police and Officer Frank Schiaffari was first to respond to that call. He said his day started very normally. He was working the 3 to 11 shift. He got his espresso from Starbucks, as usual. And he literally thought to himself, a nice relaxed day? What could go wrong? That's literally what he thought to himself. (laughs) And that's when he got the call that there was a monkey attacking a woman, and it was a code 3, meaning get there. It is very serious. So he's making his way over to the Herald home, and on his drive there, the calls are just getting significantly worse with every passing moment. And when he finally gets there, he pulls in to find Travis running all around the yard, and he hears Sandra screaming at the top of her lungs about how her friend was on the floor and Travis had ripped her apart. And then Travis would go back to continually, literally eating Charla's face. Like, it was bad completely desperate at this point, Sandra got a butcher knife and stabbed Travis in the back a few times. But he was so enraged and had so much adrenaline that it didn't matter that he was stabbed multiple times. She recalled how he turned around and he looked at her like he said, mom, what did you do? And she said to put a knife in Travis felt as if she was putting a knife in herself, but there was nothing she could do at that point. Oh, and he didn't even, like, he was surprised and it didn't even phase him. Yeah. She later told reporters, he couldn't be more my son if I gave birth to him. So this was really bad all around. At this point, Officer Shiafari, who was still near his car, yelled to Sandra to run and lock herself into her car because this situation was clearly out of control. So Frank Shiafari was absolutely terrified because he said he felt like he was at a zoo. And, you know, when you look into the cage and you think to yourself, I would never want to be in there. But he was in the cage with the animal and that was terrifying. And that's when Travis focused on Frank. Frank was inside his car, but Travis runs over to the car and starts shaking it back and forth 
And he said it was like Jurassic Park, like the, the entire car was being lifted up and down. And he said he didn't realize just how strong this animal was until that moment. Oh, he lifted the car? Yeah, literally. He's like, it was like a dinosaur, like Jurassic Park. Like this whole car was being shaken, which is insane. So now Frank is in complete panic mode. And that's when he took out his gun. But at the same time, he's having this internal battle because Frank is a huge animal lover to the point where he doesn't even kill spiders. He puts them in a cup and lets them go outside. He doesn't believe in killing just for the sake of killing. Like he doesn't like hunting. He just does not like anything like that. So the idea of shooting this animal was absolutely terrible. And also he knew Travis. Like everyone else in the town, he had plenty of interactions with Travis and actually used to play with him when he was a baby. So it's like, it's personal, you know? It's like a... Yeah, that's really tough, but it's going to be him or you, dude. No, of Real course. quick here. I mean, it's, he's a, he's a wild animal. So like, obviously, and he's an enraged wild animal covered in blood. Like it's, it's bad, but I just, oh, I don't know. It's an impossible situation. I mean, it's not, but... Maybe. I don't know. I'll stop. It's not impossible, but it's definitely an emotional decision. Yeah. It's like definitely hard to make. Yeah. I just like, I can't wrap my head around this situation. Like it just doesn't compute. You yeah, know, I've never, I've only ever seen a monkey once. Yeah. I mean, not at a zoo. Woman actually had one. Oh, really? Yeah. She had it on her back and she's like, do not come near him. Whoa. Do not pet him. I didn't know that. You. What yeah. kind of monkey? Was it a small one? It was a small one. It was, oh. it was like on her shoulder. Damn. But yeah, I remember uh, that. But I mean, it wasn't no. I don't think it was a chimp, and it definitely wasn't this big. No, I'm sure it was one of those ones that like wear diapers and like. But yeah, I don't know. It's like weird because it's almost like you know a kid in your neighborhood. Yeah, that's very strange. Damn. But anyway, he's sitting in this car and it's being shaken, and he's just hoping that he doesn't have to shoot Travis. Which is when Travis stops shaking the car. So for a moment, he's like. Oh thank God, like, I don't have to shoot him. And I think he, he puts his gun back in the holster, okay? But that's when Travis came over to Frank's driver's side door and pulls it open. Because it's not locked. Frank, Frank, Dude. lock your car, guy. Dude. What are you doing? Oh, boy. What are you doing? But anyway, he, he just pulls it open because we know Travis loves the car, so. He can drive. Yeah, literally. He can open a door. Exactly. And at that point, they were not even two feet apart. So Frank, sitting in his driver's seat, and Travis standing right pretty much in his face at this point. And they're, he's staring him down. Like, it's just, they're having a little, a little moment right now. And Frank was in a lot of danger. Like, this was bad. I keep saying that, but we get Let's it. Let's emphasize it. Let's yeah, emphasize it one more time. Is, Frank could be easily dead oh, in yeah. a couple seconds In a here. second. Chimpanzees are estimated to be four times stronger than humans, I guess. Or five, I said. I don't know. One yeah, you of, said five four, earlier. Four or five. With twice as many fast twitch muscle fibers, sounds fast, and Frank froze in that moment. He didn't know what to do, and his gun was back in his holster. He said in this moment he gained a lot of respect for Travis because he knows that if he really wanted to get him, he very easily could have. And their eyes met for a second, and Frank believes in that moment that Travis was telling him to do what he needed to do because he had had enough. This is what Frank believes happened. They had like a moment where they, you know, had a longing stare kind of thing. And that's when Travis raised his arms and gave a great big snarl with his gigantic teeth covered in blood. And he went to lunge at Frank, but, you know, he gave him enough of a window for Frank to draw his gun again. 
which is when Frank was able to then shoot Travis four times very quickly. Frank doesn't remember this moment at all. He said his brain just completely erased it. But according to other police officers on the scene, he had fired four shots. That's when Travis finally stammered back and then he ran into the house, which also- he's still functioning. Yeah, what I was gonna say, which also shows how powerful this animal was because he took four point blank shots and still had the strength to run back into the house. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Did he shoot him in the face? No. Like what? Oh, that's insane. I know. Officer Giafari didn't realize at this time, but he actually got lucky with the shots because they went through Travis and almost hit the other officer that was behind Travis in, you know, another car. So it was just really terrible. Like, it, it was horrifying. And Travis ended up running into his bedroom and just quietly passing away there. Which is, oh, so he bled out. Which is very sad, but I mean, it's it's just a terrible situation. Like, this just never should have happened. I just don't understand how people think having a wild animal, like a something as big and powerful as a chimpanzee in their house. I'm like, what? Yeah, or as their son, yeah. surrogate son, it's whatever not, you want to call it's it. Not your, it's not a human, like it's not. Yeah. When Officer Giafari got out of his car, he saw huge chunks of scalp and fingers scattered all over the yard. Oh. He walked slowly over to Charla, not knowing if it were if it were a man or a woman, because she had absolutely no recognizable fe- facial features from the attack, which meant that he fully expected her to be dead. But with the remainder of her arm, because she also didn't really have any hands or most of her arm, she reached for his leg, which was when they knew that she was still alive. God, I can't even imagine feeling that. No. When you fully, it's like a zombie. It lit, yes, yeah. Wow. And when he first got there, he thought that she was a pile of clothes. He didn't even know at first she was a body. Damn. And it was like something from a horror film. Her injuries were overwhelming. Travis had bitten or torn away her eyelids her nose, her jaw, her lips, and most of her scalp. He'd broken nearly all of her bones of her facial structure. He'd fully removed one of her hands and virtually all of the other, and he rendered her blind, which is just horrifying. The other officers didn't know where Travis had gone, so some of them set out into the woods to look for him, while others went into the house and ultimately found him in his room. So for the next 72 hours, Charla underwent more than seven hours of surgery on her face and hands by a team of four surgeons. And doctors were floored by the extent of her Charla's injuries and the fact that she was still awake through all of it. She's awake? When she got there, yeah. Okay, I was like, during the surgery? No, but when she got there. The hospital provided counseling to its staff members who initially treated her because of the extraordinary nature of charla's wounds so they were like we need therapy like that's how bad it was doctors reattached her jaw but announced on april 7th 2009 that charla would be blind for life her initial treatment was at stanford hospital and then she was transferred to cleveland clinic in cleveland ohio and her family started a trust fund to raise money to pay her unfathomable medical bills and also for support for charla's daughter brianna the whole scenario is devastating. People blamed Sandra for it, obviously. They sent her death threats, and she also had a multi-million dollar lawsuit 
that she was dealing with as well, which I mean is sad, I guess, because no matter whose fault it was, which it was Sandra's fault, but uh, she was also grieving the loss of what she considered to be her son and was also dealing with, I'm sure, unimaginable guilt. Right. And then this is kind of her last family member, it sounds like, Mm -hmm. in her mind, you know. No, exactly. Yeah. People were also shocked that Travis could have done something like this. A neighbor said that he used to play around and wrestle with Travis, and he added that the animal always knew when to stop and paid close attention to its owner. Hmm. They said, quote, he listened better than my nephews. They also said that, quote, I just don't know why he would do that in remarks to mauling Charla. Hmm. Maybe because he's a wild animal, Dave? Like, I don't, I don't know. Perhaps. Yeah, I don't really get that one, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm like, really trying to, like, put myself where he is. I guess if I was in the town and had kind of observed Travis as a baby and had the experience of having him behave better than my own nephews, I feel like that anecdote might have informed, like, oh, I was wrong about them, Mm -hmm. or wrong about chimpanzees, but... Yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, it's it's a wild animal, and they they're brutal in the wild, and it's just like you can't divorce the two. And it's not like you could teach them laws or morality. I feel like like they don't. I can't imagine they no. think that deep. You know, it's yeah. like you can teach them to share or something, or maybe you can. I mean, but maybe, like, but I mean, at the end of the day, they have these like them. primal instincts that like if they become agitated, they're they could very easily become very dangerous, which he did. I mean, he was set off by charla having a different hairstyle it yeah just, I mean, we don't know no exactly but... well obviously we don't know but i mean clearly it was something as little as her hairstyle i mean obviously he was drugged but i mean uh, i don't know it's just how to how do you think that that's a good idea yeah i don't know i just can't help but being mad at it you know like i yeah. i don't want to express too much anger towards sandra and jerome which is her husband because they're obviously like they they can't defend themselves they're both they're both gone at this point. Oh, because I actually didn't get there yet. Sandra does end up dying or she passes away like about 15 months later after the attack. She died at 72 from a ruptured aortic aneurysm and Travis's ashes were actually put into the casket with her. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just hard to not get mad, you know, because you want to place blame and it, it is kind of their fault. Yeah. Don't buy a wild animal. <laughs> it's simple as that. But When Charla found out about Sandra's passing, she was completely shocked. And she made a brief statement saying that Sandra was a troubled woman and maybe now she had some peace. So that's that on that. But in 2012, Charla won a $4 million settlement with the estate of Harold, who, like I said, died in 2010. And actually Nash's family filed a $50 million lawsuit against Sandra, saying that she was negligent and reckless for lacking the ability to control a wild animal with violent propensities. But Sandra's lawyer argued that the attack was a work-related incident and said that her family's case should be treated like a workers' compensation claim. The house where the attack occurred is a business office of the company, and Charla fed Travis, cleaned his play area, and purchased his supplies as an employee. Oh, well, So I guess he has a point. No, I mean, that's exactly why it was a settlement. So it's, it's just like, what? <laughs> but that's what happened. Uh, she later tried to sue the state of Connecticut in 2014, pointing to a state memo written a year before the gruesome attack that described Travis the chimp as a, quote, 
an accident waiting to happen, but she was denied the right to sue as well. Why? She just couldn't sue the state. Like, no. Yeah, they're like, actually, no. Actually, it's not our fault. Yeah. Oh, government. Is it your fault? The government says no. Like, what? <laughs> right. Tanya Haddix, who was the owner of the Missouri Primate Foundation, which is where Sandra and Jerome bought Travis, commented on the attack in an interview. And she said she believed that when Travis lost his father, suddenly he was not only grieving that, but also felt like he was now the man of the house. And at this time, Travis was reaching sexual maturity. So Sandy needed to do a better job at putting Travis in a safer situation, aka caging him more. But she also went on to say that she didn't think Sandra did anything wrong. And if anything, she loved Travis literally to death. So that's a little contradictory, in my opinion, but... I mean, I guess once you have him, that's the problem. Yeah. She said owning a primate is a huge lifelong commitment that, quote, isn't for everybody. No shit, Tanya. But there are also a few bad apples in the bunch, but she doesn't think that that should stop people from owning them. She said there are bad dogs and cats and anything you own, so this shouldn't stop people from getting chimps, which I highly disagree this with. This is not like, the same thing. No, a bad dog is not the same thing as a bad chimp. Yeah, your pug's <laughs> not going to murder somebody and rip their face off. No, and like for argument's sake, like sure, some dogs can be very big. I know there are Great Danes that, that can be like 200 pounds, like huge dogs, but chimpanzees are the closest relative to humans and also have opposable thumbs and shit like they can do so much more damage like than a great drive, day like drive a car no yeah a vehicle yeah so it's just not the same like it's just not an argument it's that's not a valid argument in my opinion so i don't know but i mean clearly we know where i stand on the argument i guess i'll stop right ringing it in but <laughs> Anyway, U.S. Marshals uh, removed all chimpanzees from the Missouri Primate Foundation on July 29th, 2021 to the facility's poor conditions. So it's gone. Wait, I'm really confused. What just happened? The Missouri Primate Foundation, which is where they got Travis from and where Tanya Haddix, the woman who just commented, is mm. from. They closed it down in 2021 for having poor conditions for the chimps. So they removed all of the chimpanzees. Wow, okay. Did they send them off to, like, zoos or something? I don't know what they did with them, but they shut down that facility. I mean, I hope, you know? Yeah, actually, Travis's mother, I think her name was Coco or something? Like, no, Susie. Travis's, Susie. Travis's mother, Susie, her chimpanzee mother, was also shot and killed when she escaped from the facility in 2001. So it's just like, why are they there? You know, there's yeah. there's just so many quote unquote accidents that happen with these chimpanzees where they just end up being shot or like someone ends up dead or mauled. And it's like, what? Like, I just don't get it. Yeah, I know. As soon as you lose control, that seems to be the only solution to me is to literally shoot and Exactly. Kill them. And they're just ticking time bombs. Like there's, there's no way to predict what's gonna happen. Yeah, like they should be in an enclosure and like monitored by a professional, like at a zoo. I understand that if an animal is like, they can't survive in the wild and they just, they need to be taken in and like a zoo is genuinely caring for them and they're in the best situation possible, sure. But they should not be in captivity, like really period. Leave them in the wild. Like what? I don't get <laughs> it. Like I really don't get it. Like short of them literally not being able to fend for themselves in the wild, why are we taking them? I don't know. People like to keep them as pets, apparently. Answer me Tanya. that. Like, yeah, Tanya. Tanya's on that boat. I know. Anyway, nine months after the attack, Charla gave an interview to the Oprah Winfrey Show, 
aka Oprah Winfrey, on her 50s. AKA? <laughs> well, I said the Oprah Winfrey show, and I'm like, it's just, she gave an interview to Oprah. But it was on her 56th birthday from her clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. And it was the first time the public had seen her face after the attack. She wore a black veil and a scarf over her face and neck for most of the interview, which she did almost all of the time because she didn't want to scare people with her appearance. That's so sad. She also had a guard posted outside of her door at all times to protect her privacy because she knew that a lot of people would want to see her face and possibly even sell pictures of her to tabloids. So she wanted to do the interview to show her face on her own terms. Oh, that's disgusting, though. Yeah, but I mean, she's not wrong. I mean, I know she's not wrong, but has she not been through enough people? I know. She stressed the fact that exotic animals are extremely dangerous and should not be kept in residential situations. And she said she didn't remember a thing from the attack, but she didn't want to because she didn't want to have nightmares. And if she ever did start to remember, the doctors would give her medication to forget because at that point, she just wanted to focus on getting healthy. Right. Yeah, I can't blame her. No, not at all. How do you give her medicine to forget? Maybe just manage the memories. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but... Yeah, I don't know. This seems like... uh, I want to say this was a Black Mirror episode where you could, like, take something to remove memories. Probably. sounds. That sounds Black Mirror. I know, but I just don't think that exists. Maybe it does. I don't know. At the time, Charla didn't even really know the extent of her injuries. She was actually in a coma for months after the attack, and when she woke up, she had to be told what was going on. And when the doctors told her that she would never see again, she didn't think that that was really permanent until she found out one day that she literally didn't have eyes anymore. And luckily, she didn't have pain in her face, but she did have a long road to recovery still. The interview with Oprah was shocking and devastating, and seeing her face at that time was absolutely heartbreaking and just seeing it now even though she's made like worlds of recovery like seeing it at all is just so heartbreaking um and honestly the the interview with oprah really rubbed me the wrong way Mm. it kind of seemed like oprah was trying to get a reaction out of charla or just to make it more interesting or like as shocking as possible and charla she was trying to play it up yeah like it was it really rubbed me the wrong way Charla talked about how she didn't want to remember clearly and Oprah was like but tell me exactly what you remember and she like broke everything down for her and she's like do you remember this do you remember that like do you remember when he did this and she just said she didn't want to remember like why would you do that to her and then also she kept talking about how shocking her face was and how like horrible Charla looked and I was like oh thanks yeah and then she said like I'm sure that people at home wouldn't want to live with a face like that. You know, she's like, oh, I I know that the people at home are going to find this so shocking and and devastating. And I I know that they're not ever going to want to live with a face like that or something uh, along those lines. And Charla's response to that was like, well, it's my face and I have to live with it. So I don't care what they say. What kind of angle of questioning is that? Like, what kind of comments are those? Yeah, it was just uncomfortable. I always thought of her as like... You know, very altruistic. Right. I don't know. I mean, it, it was just... I don't know. I didn't watch... I've never watched the show, really. Yeah, it just but, wasn't a good interview, in my opinion. It yeah, was uncomfortable. It kind of gross. Yeah, and it just felt like there was a real lack of compassion, and she could have been, like, far more gentle, in my opinion. But Charla did say at the time that she pushed herself to get up and walk every day, and at the time, her daughter was a senior in high school who was getting ready to go off to college. 
Wow, Jesus, what a senior year. I know. Charla's injuries made her a possible candidate for an experimental face transplant surgery, and she underwent a 20-hour full face transplant in May 2011 at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, and her full face transplant was the third surgery of its kind performed in the United States, and it was the first one at all in that hospital. She participated in a bunch of studies that gave a lot of very valuable information for face transplants for soldiers, which she was very proud to be a part of. She loved that she could help service men and women, and it also had a personal meaning to her because her father was in the Air Force. She also became eligible for a hand transplant, and she did end up getting that, but sadly her body rejected the hands, and so she does not have hands anymore. She was on anti-rejection medication, but because of the rejection, she needed to be removed from the study. And she said, quote, I appreciate everyone's concern. I feel perfect. I didn't even know I was having a rejection episode. While I am disappointed that I cannot continue in the research project, I am proud of my contributions to date, and I'm hopeful that it will help those wounded serving our country and others needing transplants in the future. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Her family said the transplant was huge for her because it was a rapid progress that brought her new optimism and hope that wasn't there before, and she was ready to get at life again. So it was really huge. Seven years after the attack in 2016, Charla was interviewed by Meredith Vieira from The Today Show, and her progress was absolutely just remarkable. It's like day and night. Looking at her interview from when it happened like nine months on the Oprah show and then looking at her interview in 2016 where she had the face transplant and she's like I mean thriving like it's honestly every time I watch that interview that 2016 interview I choke up like it's insane really yes despite the rejection her face will be fine and like I said she doesn't have hands but she does have one thumb Today, she is fiercely independent and lives on her own, and she has an aide that comes to her home Monday through Friday, but Saturday and Sunday, she's on her own, and she wants it that way. She also is able to go out and about using a transport service for the disabled, and she loves going to Savers to shop because she loves a bargain, and everyone there also loves her and knows her. Oh, hell yeah, Charlotte. Yeah. Get that deal. She loves clothing and shopping and she loves style. And she's also very generous and positive and strong-minded. And in the interview with Meredith, she said she's ready to ride horses again. She also... That is interesting. Yeah. How's that going to work? I don't know, but I'm sure she'll make it happen. I'm sure she'll figure it out. But like, that's just such a interesting problem to solve for her. Yeah, but I mean, I think she'll do it. And she also has a really good sense of humor. Whenever someone tells her she looks great, her response is, I've had a little work done. (laughs) So at the time of the 2016 interview, her daughter had just graduated from her master's program. Oh, go. Yeah. And in the interview, they showed a picture of Charla and her daughter in her cap and gown. And it just gets me every time. And she plans on moving back to Connecticut, or she planned at that time. I don't know if it actually happened, but I'm sure it did. To be closer to her family and her daughter. And Charla's daughter, Brianna, also talked about how amazing her trans- her face transplant is. And she said, I never really lost my mom, but now we can go out and do things. That's really what the transplant has given back, is the ability to just roam freely. Charla has so much strength and courage and determination, and she seems like just a really extraordinary person, and every day is a new day for her, and she's always ready to take it on. 
She's just very inspiring. And from day one, during all of her struggles, she has remained steadfast that she doesn't want to focus on the negative things in life. And she says she can't change what happened, so there is no use in dwelling on it. While she wishes she had her hands and her sight back, she knows that that can't happen and she wants to only move forward with what she has now. And Stephanie Siegel, who is a coordinating producer at NBC News, wrote this in an article about Charla. And I just wanted to read it because I thought it was really beautiful and painted a really nice picture of Charla. Um, she said, she always checks in, asks about my kids, wishes me a happy holidays every year. For everything she has endured, her first instinct is always to inquire about others. No one should have to go through what Charla did, but everyone should take from Charla her sense of self and the qualities that have sustained her. She taught me to have more compassion, more strength in adverse times, and also the cliche to not sweat the small stuff. Seeing what she experiences daily just to live and survive, the rest of us have no cause for complaint. So Charla, thank you. Thank you for being who you are, the strong, independent, positive woman in the wake of everything you have experienced. Thank you for teaching the rest of us to focus on what's important. So goddamn. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. What yeah. a beautiful lady. I know. She's incredible. God, I mean, I can't even imagine that being, something like that happening to me, but she just, I don't know, I don't think she could have a better attitude about it. No, I mean, she's an incredible person. And, and her daughter seems like a go-getter, too. Yeah. She, so did, she graduated? Like a no-bullshit family. Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> no gonna excuses. Post, I'm going to post a ton of pictures. I'll get the picture of her daughter in her cap and gown, like all of it. It's going to be great. But anyway, before we end it, I wanted to talk about an article that I found. It was called The Science Behind Why Chimpanzees Are Not Pets because okay we're gonna little, drive this point on it was like a little more like sciency yeah you know uh, some concrete reasons here yeah so this was posted on pbs.org and it was by brian hare and vanessa woods which is a part of duke university department of evolutionary anthropology so love that most people keep domesticated animals whether it's a dog a cat or even a cow we know the biological systems in their bodies are able to control stress better than wild animals. And it basically means that average dog, cats, and cows, etc., stay much more calm in stressful situations than let's say a wolf or a lion or a buffalo because domesticated animals do not become stressed and rarely, if ever, attack humans compared to wild animals. And 23 Americans died last year from dog bites, but this statistic would be many times higher if the 68 million dog owners had instead lived in as close contact with wolves. So it's just not the same. And I didn't know this, but chimpanzees share more DNA in common with humans than they do gorillas, which interesting. is very interesting, but that doesn't make them domesticated animals. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just not the same. Yeah. Uh, so while a tiny percentage of pet dogs will bite a human, all chimpanzees and all primates will readily bite a human. And chimpanzees in captivity can weigh between 150 and 220 pounds and live for over 60 years. So I guess we said 50, but I guess it's 60 and grow to be many times stronger than a human. And in the wild, chimpanzees spend a lot of time defending their social status and they often seriously injure each other in fights like biting off fingers, testicles, face tissue, etc. And are known to occasionally hunt and kill rivals and their infants. Wow. So they literally murder each other. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know they murdered their infants, like, of the uh, other tribes, but I knew that they kind of had, like, basically tribe wars. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. And people who sell chimpanzees sell babies, which look a lot like human babies, you know? They've got little cute little hands and little, like, they giggle, like, they're the cutest things in the world. But no one would 
ever buy a 200-pound adult chimpanzee, you know? But once you have the baby, it grows into that. So it's just insane. Also, all primates carry diseases that are deadly to humans, including herpes B, yellow fever, monkeypox, Ebola, Marburg virus, SIV, HIV, and tuberculosis, or they can. Not, not they don't all carry that, but they can. And currently, there are no federal laws in the United States preventing the sale or purchase of a chimpanzee or other great apes born outside of Africa after 1976. They only limit it if they're born after 1976? No, if they're born outside of Africa, outside of 76. Oh, okay. Yes. There are state laws in the U.S. preventing the sale of primates such as chimpanzees, but loopholes exist in almost every state, and chances are your neighbor can legally own a pet chi- a pet chimpanzee, and that infant chimpanzees, which are highly endangered in their natural habitat in Africa, are still being smuggled into the U.S. to be sold as pets. And although it's illegal, hunters will literally shoot mother chimpanzees and rip the babies off of their backs to sell them internationally, which isn't far from what's done in the U.S. Babies are literally ripped from their mothers and sold as pets, which is literally what happened to Travis's mother, Susie, with Travis. Like, that's exactly what happened. They took her baby at three weeks old. It's so sad. Yeah, this is grotesque all around. Yeah, it is. I mean, we get it. Chimpanzees are not pets, but this is a tragic example as to why they are not pets. But, whew, I don't know. I didn't mean to, like, end it on a heated note, but... I don't know. You can't help to not be heated on something like this. Like, it's just so senseless. It just didn't need to happen. Yeah. And Charla is such a lovely woman. She is such a wonderful, wonderful woman. And I'm so happy that she's, you know, living her life to the fullest extent. And she's with her family and thriving and going to Savers and buying her, like, stylish (laughs) jean jackets and everything. But it just didn't need to happen, you know? Yeah. And that's my opinion on that. And that is also the story of Charla Nash and Travis, the chimp. Whew. Yeah, that was a rough one. I know, but it's just an incredible story. I don't know. I'm trying not to say crazy, but it is. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It is. There's no around it or uh, no way around it. What's your good thing? I'm happy you're home. You were gone for the weekend. Oh, babe. All right, let's not make it weird. <laughs> I'm just I'm just <laughs> happy you're home. Um, um, yeah. Okay, well, uh, my good thing is that we got tennis rackets Oh, yeah. Uh, what, yesterday? <laughs> yeah. We're going to go try that out. Yeah, it's, it'll be I a fun little hobby. I think we're going to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we opened them out of the boxes today and spent a good half an hour hitting yeah. the tennis ball around <laughs> our living room, which was not responsible, but we're adults and it's but our living it. room. <laughs> I can buy new stuff if we break it. Probably. Oh, <laughs> Probably. Oh, my God. But, yeah. Anyway. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to see the pictures that I post of Charla and her family and everyone involved in the case, check us out on Instagram at nottoday underscore podcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival or any crazy experience that you'd like to share with us and possibly had, have read on a upcoming listeners episode, send it to nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter that is nottodaypodcast with a T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. And we have a TikTok that is nottodaypodcast. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.